when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Harris, they don't talk. Is that something you just ignore? Yeah. Yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired, and the next week you're going to take another job. And I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question, our purpose is to win. Make no mistake about it. But it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt. Uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, doing good, Shane. Just got off the line here with uh, my man Chris. We're going to get to that interview, the host of the Spurs Up show. You've got some really good stuff here, but before we get to the interview, Shane, not a lot going on. Just want to caution the listeners. We, you know, we really pride ourselves on being a podcast that goes all around the SEC, but with Vanderbilt and South Carolina just getting underway, not a ton to cover. We kind of hit all the stuff around the league. So this one's going to be specifically South Carolina, and we'll get back to uh, SEC news as soon as we got it. You ready to talk some uh, South Carolina football? Let's do it. All right, Shane, before we get uh, into the interview, we also got some a uh, lot of good stuff here from Will Muschamp. Just wanted uh, the listeners to be aware of some of these you know, star players that they got, the early enrollees here at South Carolina. They've been assigned jersey numbers, so... You know, I think always that's something, if you're a fan, you always want to know, you know, who am I looking for out here? And <laughs> guys like Marshawn Lloyd, he's going to be number one. I think that gives you an indication of just what they think of him. Uh, uh-huh. Luke Dottie, their quarterback, number four. I like that. Brett Favre. Uh-huh. Uh, Dominique Hills, number 11. O'Donnell Fortune, 25. And uh, one guy that I've heard a lot of good stuff about, linebacker, Muhammad Kaba. He's going to be 32. Jumping down to uh, Mike Wyman, the receivers, 87. Vershawn Lee, 77. Uh, Jaston Turntine, 75. And Trey Jones, 72. I think that's all the early enrollees. So just wanted to let those be known. And then uh, skipping ahead to spring practice, a couple of guys are going to miss. Will Muschamp announced here on Tuesday. Receiver, Rondarius Davis. Linebacker, Spencer Eason Riddle. Linebacker, the guy I just mentioned, Mohamed Kaba. Tight end, Nick Muse. Offensive lineman, Dylan Wadham. Defensive lineman, J.J. Inagbe and Tyreek Johnson, both out. And, of course, we've kind of already hit on this one, but the graduate transfer from Colorado State, Colin Hill, also going to be out for spring football. So a lot of guys out, but uh, according to Will Muschamp, all these guys are going to be good to go for the summer. So at least, uh, you know, sometimes if, if you're – 
kind of a veteran type player missing the spring. I don't think at the end of the day, that's really that big of a deal. Yeah. I'd, I'd put Shy Smith on the list too, man. <laughs> just, just keep him out. You know, you don't need him, but uh, now this is, uh, I think a lot of this stuff's just routine maintenance. And uh, like you said, I think all these guys are going to be ready for uh, fall balls right now. So, uh, but I mean, spring, spring's here, man. And sometimes we get an injury here or there. So, you know, I know they got a new uh, strength conditioning coach. So we're going to see if that paid off. Absolutely, Shane. So uh, that's, like I said, not a ton of going on besides that. I mean, hell, if you watch any of the videos of South Carolina, their first spring practice, a lot like you're going to see across the SEC. A lot of stretching, a lot of throwing on air. I mean, they don't even got pads on yet, so yeah. not a ton to really talk about outside of, uh, you know, Luke Dottie looked like he looked the part. And I think, hell, if you're South Carolina at this point, this may be your quarterback not only of the future but of this season. You know, I'm not trying to say Helinski, sh- you know, should be benched or anything, but you just never know how this is going to play out. So, not a ton to cover on the Gamecocks first spring practice. You ready to just uh, jump into our interview here with uh, Chris Phillips of the Spurs Up Show? Yes, sir. A lot of lot of hop with O'Dotty, huh? I haven't seen this much hop since Helinski. <laughs> <laughs> since Bentley, you know, it's just like the next bit, the bit, next best thing. So uh, I don't know. I am interested. Dotty is he going to get some playing time uh, during the spring game? Oh, yeah, without a doubt, because uh, now obviously you got Joyner to carry on. Joyner's kicking out to receiver with uh, mm. Colin Hill missing the spring. Uh, yeah, there's there's probably no chance that we don't see okay. Dottie in the spring game. So, yeah, we're going to get. Interesting. We'll, get, Interesting. we'll see. That, that'll be nice. It'll probably be Helinski versus Dottie in the spring game. You know, they're going head to head. So, uh, man, that'll that'll give us something to talk about for sure. For sure. Yeah, they'll roll them out during the Vols game. Watch it. <laughs> Uh, all right, yeah, I let's do it, buddy. I'm ready. All right, we're pleased to be joined now by Chris Phillips of the Spurs Up Show. You can follow Chris at cphilly19 on Twitter. And, of course, the Spurs Up Show is at the Spurs Up Show, one of the most outstanding South Carolina podcasts that covers all the range of sports, not just football. But just want to say thanks, Chris. Really appreciate you hopping on here and giving us some insight on the South Carolina program. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. Excited, man. It's crazy. Football is back. I, I tweeted that this morning. Football is back, kind of. Obviously, with spring, it's uh, not the official kickoff. But, yeah, we, we, we've got some football to talk about. But before you know it, you know, spring games will be here. So, really excited to dive into it. Well, Chris, I hope there's no um, you know hard feelings or anything. Because for anyone that missed it, one of our uh, most viral columns over at my other job at Saturday Down South, early in the season – Chris does an outstanding job with the the Spurs Up show with social media, Twitter, and everything. But, you know, he's really big on showing videos of the pregame festivities and all the South Carolina fans. And he put out two videos, first week of the season, leading up to the <laughs> North Carolina game. I mean, it was euphoria. It's everything SEC fans feel going into the season. You know, we're going to be competitive. It's a new year. And then immediately after the devastating loss to the Tar Heels, Chris put out another video basically saying... To hell with Muschamp, get his ass gone. Ray Tanner gone. Jake Bentley, <laughs> let's send him to the bench. And uh, we, we did a story on that. We went pretty viral. So I, I hope there's no hard feelings on that one. No, no. I mean, honestly, I was flattered. You know what's so funny is there's people out there that think like I, I planned on that to happen. <laughs> that they think that I had. And I'm like, that. both of those videos was, I mean, like you said, that was just purely organic emotion. I mean, you know, waiting eight months for game day and the excitement 
excitement and then like you said the polar opposite of the devast i mean neither neither were scripted so i mean the devastation um after that game because i mean honestly going into that game you know i, I know there had been questions about much after the belt bowl especially after you get shut out by Virginia. But I, I really wasn't on the fire Will Muschamp train, but I also didn't expect to see South Carolina come out so unprepared, so flat, and look so bad in a loss to UNC to get the year going. And Yeah, I, I just kind of low-key snapped, but, you know, <laughs> it's what it is. It made for a great video. I remember seeing that on Saturday at South, and I was like, ooh, buddy, this, this is a lot bigger than I think I expected. So, no, nah, it was good, man. It, you know, what's funny is it kind of set the tone for the whole year, unfortunately, just kind of how – I think if you could summarize the 2019 South Carolina football season, just look at those two videos, and that pretty much is going to tell you everything you need to know on how the whole year went for South Carolina fans. Well, I don't want to harp too much on last season because we're done with that. It's a new chapter, but before we jump into 2020, I did want to ask you a question. What was it like there going through covering South Carolina like you do on a daily basis and all this back and forth with the president and the AD towards the end of the season. And it just seemed like they it seemed like they didn't even know what the hell they wanted to do with Muschamp. Are we bringing them back? Can we afford the buyout? Uh, what, what was that crazy you know, couple of weeks like? It, it was very shocking to me how badly the people in charge did at keeping things in-house. Um, when you're having those type of conversations again, you know, you're, you're talking buyouts and the board of trustees even being vocal about Ray Tanner and Will Muschamp. I mean, listen, it was tough. I mean, I'll just tell you this as what, for what I do. It was very tough on a week-to-week basis covering what felt like an absolute just storm of emotions, storm of things, again, news dropping, like you were saying. Just It was so surprising to me that the people in charge would allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow South Carolina was able to hold it all together. Again, I, I know there were multiple <laughs> statements made. There were, there were so many. It felt like we had a new statement every single day. I mean, it got crazy there at the end. But – you know, when you go through a four and eight season, when the expectations were high, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised it happened. I mean, that type of stuff is bound to happen. So I just hope everybody's learned from it because, again, it's one thing for me to get on a show, you to get on a show, us to go on social media, fans to say things. But when you're on the board of trustees, when you're the president of a school, when you're the athletic director, you've got to be able to hold it all together. Even if it's not all together on the background, you got to be able to hold it together. I mean, everybody's kind of looking at you. So it wasn't a good look. Definitely wasn't a good look at all. But hopefully those people in charge have learned from their mistakes that we saw last year. Now, what's your feeling on Will Muschamp and the hot seat that he's sitting on heading into 2020? Uh, do you think this is a, obviously a season where they've got to make huge strides for him just to keep his job? Yeah, I mean, I, I, this is a make or break year. I mean, there's no question about it. I, I think everyone is pretty much – in unison, and I'll tell you this, Michael, I think if South Carolina wins less than seven games, I think he's gone. I just don't see any way you're in year five. You had such a terrible year last year. Um, and people just want to see progress, which I don't think is too much to ask. You know, again, going into that season last year, I mean, nobody was expecting a 9-10-11 win season, but you wanted to see some progress. And how do you justify that? I don't know. That's really kind of in the eyes of Holder. But when you come out, you lose in North Carolina – you went four and eight. And I think seven of those eight losses, you averaged losing by at least two touchdowns. So, I mean, you can't justify progress in that season. So, no, I, listen, I think the pressure's on. I mean, people, it's very well documented how I feel about Will Muschamp just due to his past failures at Florida and then what we've seen at this point at South Carolina. But I honestly think six wins or less, he's gone. Now, if you go six and six and there's close games, that's where it really starts to muddy the water. But mm-hmm. – 
I don't know that you can really justify true progress in a six and six year, because at this point, listen, he's, he's put together these recruiting classes. He has his guys in there at South Carolina. You have the talent. I mean, you saw that last year. Again, I know that Georgia, you know, didn't play their best ball, but when you can go on the road and beat a team like Georgia and then lose to App State at home a few weeks later, that just screams coaching to me. It has to. You obviously have talented players, so they're going to have to win ball games. I mean, all that talk of recruiting and bringing in new coaches, and so that's all great, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's about wins and losses. So I think it's going to take seven or more wins for Muschamp to keep his job anything less than that, and I think South Carolina is looking for a new head coach. Now, you kind of hit on it there, but a lot of offseason changes on Will Muschamp's staff. Does that give you any kind of renewed confidence at all in Will Muschamp, considering, obviously, they just had a tough season. You know, there's a speculation about his job at the end of last year, but here you turn around, and I think it's a huge upgrade, bringing in Mike Bobo, Joe Cox mm. kind of obviously <clears throat> knows his system, played for Bobo, coached for Bobo, so that's going to help. And then I really love the hire of Tracy Rocker. I thought uh, he was one of Tennessee's better coaches on the field mm-hmm. the last two years. And then you turn around and, and steal a guy from Tennessee, director of player personnel, <laughs> Drew Hughes, who I know for a fact uh, Jeremy Pruitt did not want to lose that guy. He's been huge in Tennessee, having uh, some success on the recruiting trail in recent years. So, you know, do those additions give you any kind of confidence that, you know, maybe Muschamp, is kind of knows a little bit more what he's doing. You know, personally, Michael, I'm I'm in wait and see mode. Um, you know, I, I don't hate the hire of Mike Bobo. I, I will say this, just and this is me being a little nitpicky. When the hire was made, it felt so typical. Um, there was a joke running on social media about Will Muschamp that he has a Rolodex of guys. He has a Rolodex. <laughs> he only he only hires from that list. He doesn't have the internet because everybody he hires, he's friends with. I, I mean, it, it really comes down to that, but. No, I, I think Mike Bobo certainly an upgrade from Brian McClendon. If nothing else, he has experience calling plays. He's called them at a high level in the SEC. He was just a head coach at Colorado State. But, you know, all those assists you talk about, you know, stealing Tracy Rock from Tennessee, obviously it's a nice hire. Joe Cox is a nice hire. Um, you know, when I think of this season, to me, I, I'm not overreacting to the loss of Thomas Brown or any of these assistant coaching hires. Because this season, to me, is going to come down to three guys. Will Muschamp coaching up his defense, Mike Bobo fixing the offense, and Paul Jackson, the new strength coach, getting mm-hmm. our guys healthy and keeping them healthy. Because biggest problem throughout Muschamp's senior has been keeping guys on the field and healthy and not having a good enough offense to win games. If those two things don't get fixed, none of the rest of it matters anyways, and all these guys know they're going to be looking for a new job. So that's what it's going to come down to to me. I'm very in- interested and intrigued throughout the spring and in the spring game to learn as much as we can about what the new offense is going to look like. Cause I think you have some pieces. I mean, you know, there are a lot of question marks on that offense, especially at the wide receiver position, but I mean, you've got Ryan Holinsky. He's got a lot of talent. You've got a freshman Luke Doty coming in who I think can honestly compete for some playing time. So that's going to be the big question needs to be answered. But again, I think it's going to come down to those three guys. And really you ask him, does it really, does it inject any new optimism or positivity? To be honest, not really. Cause I think South Carolina fans are just, Hey, show me, we're in show-me mode. Let's see on the field. Let's see it executed. And let's see it win games. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of drama, you know, the recruitment of Jordan Birch, that was a wild one. And obviously, oh, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, South Carolina came out, kept him in, in state, in city, really. So, you know, how big of a win was that for Muschamp? And what was it like covering that all, all that drama? Uh, <laughs> um, it, was, it was fun. It was a lot of people freaking out. And, you know, just – it was. I mean – 
the Jordan Birch recruitment, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Um, that high profile of a kid keeping things that under wraps or people really had no clue where he was going. I mean, that's what I tried to tell people. Listen, anybody on social media telling you they have in, you know, information or they know where he's going, they're most likely lying. So just wait it out. Let's see what happens. Obviously, he makes the choice, sticks with South Carolina. But, you know, I, I think it's a big pickup. Obviously, he's a good player. Will Muschamp saying in his uh, spring, spring presser, if you will, to open up spring practice that Jordan Birch is going to be at the buck position, which mm-hmm. I think is smart. You know, he's a guy, if he can replace DJ Wanham, that's a huge loss in that defense. Can he be that? that type of playmaker for South Carolina because I think you want to get him on the field early, obviously. But, you know, I think from the national perception, too, um, so Will Muschamp's credit. I mean, this was a very, very solid recruiting class, and you don't, in my opinion, land a guy like a Jordan Birch, like a Marshawn Lloyd, like a Luke Doty, if your program is in shambles, at least culturally, at least inside the building, right? So I do think it speaks to the program, the culture they've built, and it's a great pickup for South Carolina, obviously. Like I said, though, now it just comes down to there's even less of an excuse, in my opinion, because you've got your guys. You've got your talent. Now put it on the field and let's go win games. Coach that talent up and, you know, let's kind of see what happens. In the but overall, great, you know, a great pickup for South Carolina. Again, I think from the national perception, because, listen, you know, great players want to play with other great players. So I think mm-hmm. it obviously helps South Carolina. It can be the type of recruit that maybe – you know, spurn some other five-star kids to give South Carolina a second or third look and say, hey, maybe I can go here and win here and play with a guy like Jordan Burks and Zach Pickens and, you know, make a name for myself there as well. So um, we'll see how it plays out on the field. But overall, again, I give Muschamp credit that it speaks to uh, they are solid, at least in the building culturally for sure. Now moving to the team heading into spring, do you think about the uh, quarterback competition? I mean, is this Ryan Helensky's job to lose? I mean, is he the clear front runner or do you, I know you mentioned Doty there, the true freshman. Mm-hmm. And we obviously got the Colorado state graduate transfer, Colin Hill, who's going to, he's not really going to participate in the spring. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that sets him back, but I, I don't know. I know it's very early, but how do you see this quarterback mm-hmm. competition playing out? Well, you know, it's funny because Will Muschamp again, in his inter- his spring presser, uh, was asked, you know, about open competition. And he said all positions are open, which I like. I think it should be open competition. I think, you know, especially coming off a of four and eight season. Listen, you went 10 and two last year and you want to say certain guys at certain spots, be my guest. But you're coming off a of four and eight year. It should be open competition at every single position. Obviously, I think in everyone's mind, their thought is, you know, Ryan is the number one guy right now. But like you said, Colin Hill, not going to participate in spring. I'd feel a little better about him if he was going to, but he's got full knowledge of what Mike Bobo wants to do. I said it was a great pickup for South Carolina in the transfer market because if nothing else, he's going to be a mentor to those young quarterbacks, to Ryan, to Luke Doty, to Jay Urich, whoever else. He's going to be a mentor. He knows the offense. He knows the calls, the verbiage, et cetera. But, yeah, I mean, listen, I think a guy like Luke Doty can honestly push Ryan Holinsky. I've talked a lot about this this offseason, but, I mean, you think of why Ryan Helensky won the job after Jake Bentley went down, why he was the backup quarterback versus the carry-on joiner. Because obviously Dak Joyner is the supreme athlete. But Ryan Helensky's throwing the ball. You have to throw the football. I mean, you, you know with Tennessee, Jared Garantano and the quarterback situation you guys went through, you can't throw the football accurately. You're not going to play, and you're just not. Um, so Ryan obviously showed superb throwing ability. To me, if Luke Doty, and again, he's a true freshman, and Ryan has that experience, which is invaluable, but – if Luke Doty comes in and shows equal to or even greater than throwing ability than Ryan Holinsky, I don't see how you can keep him off the field because he, he basically has the athleticism of a DeCarion joiner. Just 
watching film on him, and we, we got a little bit of film from spring practice today, just seeing his throwing motion. You know, he looks like a guy that can spin it a little bit. So, listen, I, I'm predicting Brian's going to be your starting quarterback on day, you know, the first game. I, I would be very surprised if Luke Doty came in and won that job outright. But, you know, I definitely think this is going to be a situation where Luke Doty is going to push Ryan Holinsky. He's going to feel that pressure on his back. And I expect Luke Doty to play a lot. And, I mean, again, my biggest thing is I like Ryan. I like all the other – but, like, I want the best guy to play, whoever gives you the best chance to win. And to be honest, Michael, I think at South Carolina, you, you kind of need that dual-threat guy because you're not a Clemson, a Georgia, Alabama, where you have five stars around you at every position and you can just – five-step drop, sit back and pick teams apart. You need to get a little creative. And, again, that's not to say that Ryan can't have a lot of success and do his thing. But I certainly think there will be a competition. Again, I think right now it's Ryan Holinsky's team. He's your number one quarterback, and I think that's all fine and dandy. But no question in my mind there's competition. Absolutely no question. If Luke Doty's the guy that we expect him to be, which, again, we can only go off the high school tape and the little bit we've seen of him in South Carolina. But, uh, no, I'm excited for it. I think, it, you know, competition at that position, it's only going to make everybody better, the, the whole iron sharpens iron mentality. But uh, I expect Ryan Linsky to be your starter day one, but I think there will be an ongoing competition for sure. Now, based on what we've seen from Halinski just in his first year, would you put him in the top half of, you know, the 14 SEC quarterbacks if he is a starter? Uh, because I, I mm. recently rated him number 10. And keep in mind, I mean, I was calling the guy Heislinski last year because I, th- I thought he was going to win a damn Heisman based on his debut, but obviously <laughs> right. he got a little banged up. And I mean, I, th- I thought he showed a lot of guts in that Alabama game, but clearly I think he got knocked around a little bit in that one. And then kind of the wheels came off for the most part. Yep. Do you think I'm being unfair to Helinski based on that one year? Or I mean, would you rate him any higher than number 10 wow. right now? Listen, I, I told a fan on social media, somebody said, oh, let them sleep on us. And I'm like, listen, we deserve to be slept on. You went four and eight. We don't deserve credit from anybody. You got to go take it and earn it this year. So it doesn't upset me that you rated him 10. Uh, I think last year is sort of hard to judge for Alinsky just because he dealt with that knee injury. He had an arm injury for a little bit there. So, I mean, he got very banged up as a true freshman. You know, as far as the top half, I don't think I'd put him there yet. I'll be completely honest. And like I said, love the kid, love what he's shown on the field. But, you know, Michael, he had a freshman year. And I know people don't want to hear this. He had a freshman year very comparable to Jake Bentley. Very mm. comparable. I mean, you go back and look, and you could argue Jake was better. And, and I mean, I know that people are just, they can't believe I would say something like that. But you go back and look, and it's very, and they're both similar type of players, too. So, Listen, I'm excited for what Ryan can do. He's obviously got the arm talent, but we got to see it again. We got to see on the field. He's going to need some help this year. He's going to need Marshawn Lloyd to come in and be that dude at running back. He's going to need other guys to step up at the wide receiver position. You know, that was a big thing too late in the year when, you know, Brian Edwards goes down and, you know, you're literally your third wide receiver is, you know, a, a former quarterback or it's a walk on. So, I mean, he wasn't really playing with a full deck a lot of times last year. And again, it comes out after the season he has a knee injury, which his mobility was absolutely shot. So, no, I think he, like everyone else, has a lot to prove. There's no question. He has a lot to prove. So, you ranking him 10th, I mean, listen, anywhere from 7 to 10, I, I think is fair. I, I, I don't think it's unfair. I think it's more so, again, that show-me-mode mentality. South Carolina's got to prove it this year, in my opinion. And I think Ryan Linsky can do it. But, like I said before, I question – if going with a guy with mobility may not be, in the long run at least, 
a little bit of a better option because mm-hmm. Ryan's the kind of guy you're going to need to build a really solid team. And that's most quarterbacks. You're going to need to be, build a really solid team around him. But with that mobility option, it just gives you a little more creativity. You scramble out of the pocket, you make throws on the run, et cetera. But I'm excited to see what Ryan Linsky can do in a full season of being healthy. Cause like you said, he has those intangibles of leadership, of toughness, you know, the way he played through it last year. And we saw a lot of those things, things you just can't coach and can't teach a guy. So I want to continue to see him develop. Obviously, he got invaluable experience last year. But, uh, no, for sure, he's going to have to step up and play better. And there's no question that if South Carolina wants to, uh, you know, have the type of season that's going to save Will Mustang's job. Now, you kind of hit on this guy earlier, but Marshawn Lloyd, one of the top ten running backs in the nation. South Carolina also signed the number one junior college running back in uh, Zaquandre mm-hmm. White. You know, how big of an impact do you think these two running backs are going to make immediately – given all the losses South Carolina has at the running back position and, and how paramount will those two be towards uh, South Carolina's success on the offense? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's crazy. You flip the running back room, you lost three seniors in Mondance and AJ Turner. Um, you lost Rico Dowdy. You lost Tavian Feaster as well. Um, so you flip the running back room, if nothing else, bringing in White and Lloyd. I like the Quandre White at Raw. I know went to Florida state, dealt with some stuff, went to Juco route. And, you know, obviously he's just an athlete for you. He's another athlete on the field that can make plays, but, Marshawn Lloyd is the guy I really want to focus on. I think he truly, watching his film, just looking at him, I think he has the potential to be South Carolina's next 1,000-yard rusher. And, I mean, that's a bold statement when you think of how few 1,000-yard rushers (laughs) South Carolina has had. It's just when the last time, you know, they haven't had a 1,000-yard rusher since 2014, Michael. It's 2020. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And before that, it was Marcus Lattimore. So, I think he has that skill set. You know, a smaller guy, 5'9", but he, you know, people kind of compare him to Mike Davis, who was at South Carolina. But, you know, I think it's a true freshman. You know, we, we talked to him on the show, and, he, you know, he talked about the reason he picked South Carolina was the opportunity to play. I, I fully expect – I think he's going to be South Carolina starting running back. I really do. I, I like Kevin Harris behind him. I think he's a big bruiser and a nice change of pace back. Deshaun Fenwick is a guy that can spell those two that I think can do some nice things, has, has done well in his limited opportunities. But – I think Marshawn Lloyd truly, you know, it's funny. People were so worried about getting Jordan Birch, and for good reason. I mean, highly rated recruit. I mean, we know the impact he has and the national impact, stuff like that. But to me, Marshawn Lloyd was the jewel of South Carolina's class. That was the prize possession. That was the one you absolutely could not afford to lose because I think Lloyd's a guy who can change this South Carolina team, this offense. Heck, maybe even this South Carolina program. Maybe he has a Marcus Lattimore-type impact. I don't know yet till we see him on the field, but – no, those two guys for sure will make an impact, especially Lloyd, who, again, Michael, I, I think he's your starting running back day one. Now, I wanted to ask you about Ortre Smith and Shy Smith. South Carolina going to keep them in bubble wrap this spring? <laughs> I mean, especially Ortre. Especially Ortre. You know, the crazy thing with Ortre is we all heard in fall camp last year, oh, you know, you know the, the old mantra, best shape of your life, which mm-hmm. I feel like is like uh, uh, the, the kiss of death. When you say somebody's <laughs> in the best shape of their life, normally they don't pan out the way. It's like the Madden curse. It just doesn't pan out the way you think it's going to. But, uh, no, yeah, I mean, listen, shot, you know, you look at that receiving core, and that, that might be the biggest question mark on the entire team. I mean, people have asked me, who's going to catch the football? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Outside of Shy Smith. I mean, and even Shy is a guy that I think needs to really show it this year that he can be a number one wide receiver. Um, I hope they use him down the field vertically. He can be that threat. But, you know, who else is it going to be besides Shy? Is it Ortre Smith, who, again, I think spent most of last year injured? Can he finally get healthy? 
Is it Josh Van? Who I'll be honest, I expected a lot of coming into South Carolina. I mean, you watch his highlight tape out of the state of Georgia. Made some circus catches. Couldn't catch a cold last year, Michael. Couldn't catch anything. Mm-hmm. Is it Xavier Leggett, who in very limited time as a freshman made some nice plays? Can he step up and play more role? Or is it one of these true freshmen, which, again, I think that's one of the biggest storylines of this team this spring and going into this season. You know, Will Muschamp talked about it. There's only 11 seniors on this team. And at the skill positions, you're going to need a lot of freshmen to step up immediately and play. Again, you're speaking of the Marshawn Lloyd. You're speaking of a Mike Wyman at wide receiver. You're speaking of a Rico Powers, guys like that. So who is it going to be? Who's going to catch the football? Because, again, like I talked about, Ryan Hlinski, we can put it all on him if we like, but you got to have somebody on the outside that can make plays. I like Shai Smith. Again, those guys have to stay healthy. That's why, Paul, that's why Jeff Dillman no longer has a job in South Carolina, and that's why Paul Jackson is here from Ole Miss, too. That's his job, make sure guys stay healthy. So, no, I, I don't hate the bubble wrap idea, to be honest. I don't care if they sit him out all spring. I mean, especially a guy like Shy. You know he's one of your dudes. We all know how it goes in spring. Those guys that we know are starters, they don't play in the spring, the spring game most of the time. Anyways, you know, do whatever you got to do. Make sure he's healthy in the fall. But, uh, no, this team's going to be counting on Shy Smith. Man. He, he's got to prove to me that he can be that true number one wide receiver. And, again, outside of that, they've got to find some dudes that are dependable to two, three, four that can catch the football. Now, this time last year, we were kind of talking about Zach Pickens, almost like we're talking about Jordan Birch now. Yeah. Is this the year that Pickens kind of takes off his second year on campus, do you think? It has to be. You know, I, I think – the because I was asking the same question. I was asking this question at least last year that, hey, where's Zach Pickens, you know, five-star player. The great thing with him last year, though, is he didn't have to play a lot because Javon Kinlaw, who's mm-hmm. most likely going to be a first-round NFL draft pick, was in that spot. But certainly, I mean, listen, Zach Pickens to me – is probably the guy that has the most to prove on the entire defense when you look at these guys. I mean, he certainly needs to fill in that role that Javon Kinlaw left. Um, I think Jordan Birch is going to play immediately. Guys like Rich Sandage, they, they just need to, you know, they played solid football for South Carolina. But you've got to elevate your level. You've got to go from being just another guy to being a dude. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. again, Jordan, uh, uh, Zach Pickens, a Rick Sandage, a J.J. Anibaria, who did some nice things last year, Aaron Sterling, who did some nice things last year. Because that defensive front, it was a strength for South Carolina. And, I mean, we all, you know, Michael, you and I know as good as anyone that games in the SEC, we, we can talk about the flashiness with these wide outs and whoever. It's one in the trenches. Mm-hmm. If you get beat, if you get physically whipped at the line of scrimmage, you're not going to win a lot of football games. You can't hide those deficiencies. So, they definitely need a guy like Zach Pickens to fill in, to be that guy. I mean, listen, I'm not expecting him to be Javon Kinlaw 2.0 or anything, especially as a sophomore. But – they need him to be that physical presence in the middle. I think he will have a big year. I think a year kind of learning, being in the weight room, obviously, and these guys, you know the jump they make from year one to year two, just physically overall. Um, I think he was a guy that came in, was a little was a little in between as far as size for the end. Does he play inside? What did he do? I think they want him to be an inside guy. He's put on weight. I expect him to have a big year. And, again, but there's a bunch of guys on that defensive front, including Pickens, that have got to step up this year for sure. Now, is there a storyline in the spring we should be paying attention to that we didn't hit on uh, already? You know, for me, I mean, we pretty much hit on all of my, my top storylines again. That, and again, there's, there's limited that we can really tell throughout the spring. And I always make the joke, I, I think I had this conversation with Barrett Salee a year or two ago. We were talking about spring games. And I was like, you know, what do you take away from the spring game? He's just like, boredom, nothing. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of a fair answer. I mean, we, we don't really – you know, we get to see the guys in the jersey. That's the best part. But, I mean, my top storyline for me personally is just keeping a close eye on the quarterback competition. 
you know, seeing, you know, seeing the way Will Muschie, I'm sure he'll tiptoe around it, but seeing the way he talks about Ryan, talks about Luke Doty, um, talks about Jay Urich, any of the other guys, whatever. I want to watch the running back competition, how quickly, you know, with Marshawn Lloyd being an early enro- or enrollee, is he going to kind of take over that role, take over the range of the running back position? Obviously, in the spring game, I think everybody's going to want to get an idea of, hey, what's the offense going to look like? You know, Will Muschamp saying we're going to be more under center this year, which half the fan base is like, hey, this is great. And the other half the fan base is like, oh, my God, we're going to be pro-style Georgia. So kind of seeing what the offense is like. And then defensively for me, oh, and of course the wide receivers on offense as well, which you just touched on. But, you know, defensively, again, who's replacing Javon Kinlaw? Who's replacing DJ Wanham at that buck position? Is it going to be Jordan Burks? We won't be able to see him to the fall. But for me, one thing we didn't touch on is the secondary. You know, I talked about a lot of young guys that are going to have to play at the skill positions. And that secondary was young a year, year ago, obviously led by J.C. Horn, Israel McCormick. But guys like Cam Smith, Shiloh Sanders, Johnny Dixon, like these are dudes that have to step up. O'Donnell Fortune, a new guy, early enrollee that came in. These are guys that are going to have to step up. They're going to have to, again, step their game up from being just another guy to being a dude for you. And I think, again, Israel McCormick and J.C. Horn, you know, I got a lot of flack last year for, for being critical of them uh, mm-hmm. very often. I remember specifically in the Tennessee game, I was very critical of them. And people were like, why are you being so hard on them? I'm like, well, when all preseason, you're proclaiming yourself as 24-7, we're the best duo in the country. Like, you better play that way. And when you don't, you know, I mean, listen, Michael, I, I don't know your feelings on J.C. Horn or how you, you know, South Carolina fans love him. I mm-hmm. like him too. But what elite defensive back do you know that goes two years without a pick? Yeah. You got to set your game up. You got to set your game up. I don't know how you can tout yourself as elite when, when, when you have those type of statistics. And again, you can go back to the they don't throw to my side of the field argument, but I mean, <laughs> come on, come on, man. At some point, you got to be in the right place at the right time and make a play, right? I mean, Israel McCormick got three in one game. So again, seeing those young guys step up and really, that, I think that is the overline when you look at South Carolina football this spring. That is the number one storyline is just the injection of youth, young guys stepping up, whether they're new guys or in early enrollees or guys coming in the fall or guys that didn't play a ton last year that need to play major, major roles for you this year. I think that's the, the main storyline for this team is Will Muschamp against sighted. You only have 11 seniors. So you're going to be count, counting on a lot of youngsters to do it. And, again, if you're going to have the type of season that, uh, that saves Will Muschamp's job, they're going to have to grow up in a hurry for sure. All right, last question for you, Chris. It's way too early to make a prediction for the upcoming season record-wise, so I'm not going to ask you that, but – Level <laughs> level of optimism on a scale of one to ten, with one obviously being low and ten being high. How optimistic are you about the South Carolina team heading into twenty twenty? Just that they'll exceed expectations, I guess. You know, it's funny. If you wanted to ask about the record, I pretty much got it in my head too. But I mean, <laughs> one to ten. To be honest with you, and again, still honesty that makes some people hate me and some people like me, but I'd probably say a, a three and a half or a four. I mean, I, I know that's low, but I came in the last season with a ton of optimism. You know, I predicted seven and five. I thought this team at, at its best could go nine, three, maybe. I thought Jake Bentley is a senior and that defense and everything else. And you lose out of the gate to UNC. I, I mean, if, if this gives you any gauge on my level of optimism, I'm, I'm, I'm worried week three when, <laughs> or I think it's week two when South Carolina plays East Carolina. I'm genuinely concerned about that game. I mean, I'm not kidding. Um, which fans hate, but I'm like, we just lost to App State like three months ago. Um, so, I mean, listen, I give it a three and a half and a four. It's not that I won't be excited for the season, 
But I, I wanted Will Muschamp going after last year. And I, I, I just, you know, you can change the coaches. You can change, you know, the strength. You know, you can try to change whatever you want to change. But at the end of the day, it's the same guy at the top. And until he does it, until he proves it, what benefit of the doubt has he earned from, from any of us? Not just me, not just South Carolina fans, but you're an SEC fan. You've seen the entire, you know, you're, you're very familiar with the Will Muschamp career with him being at Florida and now in mm-hmm. South Carolina. I mean, if you took a poll of SEC fans and you look at a lot of the national, you know, national guys as well, I see them on game day, the comments about Will Muschamp is just, you know, it, they're, they're laughing. It, they're, it's, they're, you know, no, nobody believes in this guy. And, again, I can't blame them. He hasn't earned that benefit of the doubt. So do I think there are some nice pieces on this team? Sure. Do I think there's talent on this team? Sure. But Will Muschamp's still the guy. And you look at this schedule, Michael. It's the toughest in the country again. It's like we're going into the same exact thing as last year. Mm-hmm. Instead of playing Alabama at home, you go to LSU, who, by the way, just won the national title. And I know they lose Burrow and stuff, but that team's going to be one of the most talented teams in the country. They are every single year. And, you know, it seems like they figured it out offensively. So, you know, I mean, you better you, – I'll tell you this. You better – we're going to know after week four what type of season it's going to be because – the front half of your schedule's a little bit lighter, and I, I say that, you know, I mean, the SEC, there are no off weeks. At Kentucky scares me to death. Mizzou at home scares me to death. But that second half of that schedule, Michael, I mean, your November is literally Georgia at home, at LSU, at Clemson. I mean, <laughs> so if, you, if, you don't, if, you're not, if you're not in a bowl game by November, I mean, you got Wofford in there in the middle. But, man, if, you're, if you don't already have six or seven wins by November – I mean, we're, we're, like I said, we're going to know the fate, I feel like, very, very early in the season. So, again, I'll be excited. I think there's talent on this team. You know, I, I'm a Gamecock fan. I think to be a Gamecock, you almost have to be a delusional optimist at some point because it's what keeps you going. Mm-hmm. But realistically, I just, you know, I'll tell you, my prediction right now is five and seven. I, I just don't have that same optimism I had going into last season after what we saw and, you know, Hopefully I'm wrong. I, that's what I always tell fans. Hopefully I'm wrong. And my, my dream one day is to be in the Georgia Dome and Will Muschamp runs out of the tunnel and does the Kenny Powers suck it motion to me. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is, this is awesome. This is great. This is exactly what I wanted. But, you know, I'm in complete show me mode right now. And I think if you took a poll on most South, South Carolina fans, they would, uh, you know, they would say the same as well. So, but that's the great thing. Nobody knows. I mean, I know you being a Tennessee fan, people were giving you guys crap and then all of a sudden – you know, you lose to Georgia State, and look how the season plays out. Nobody really ever knows. That's the beauty of college football. That's why we love this sport so much. So, hopefully I'm wrong, and the guys pull out seven, eight, nine wins. But, uh, you know, got to go do it. So, we'll see. Well, speaking of Tennessee, that's probably why Muschamp still has his job because, I mean, he's damn made <laughs> yeah. his career just beating the Vols. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm what, what seven and one record. I think last year was his, his first loss to him, and uh, – you know, that, that was another frustrating one for South Carolina fans. I mean, I think it's, what is it, like 20 to 14 at half, and you're in the lead. Mm-hmm. I think, what, you get shut out 24 nothing in the second half, and it's just like, you know, what happened? And I, I really think that was the first game, Michael, for last year. Because even after you lost to UNC, there was this thought in your head, even after I did the whole fire must-champ thing, and I still felt that way, I'm not sure I knew it was going to be that bad, like four and eight bad. I thought maybe it'd be – six and six bad <laughs> or you know five and seven fighting to get that sixth win that Tennessee loss though honestly in my mind was the one that you know with all 
all due respect to the Vols, that was the one where I was like, we are, we're not a good team. We're, we're really not. We have some serious problems. And I think, you, again, you saw that later in the year with, um, you know, with the, the loss to A&M. That's probably one of the ugliest football games I've ever watched. And then Clemson, I mean, what can you really say about that one? So, but, uh, but no, I mean, this, you know, I think everybody, everybody in that building. I, I'm still living down the Appalachian State loss. I, I guarantee to win on that one. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I went, I was going back yesterday, and I saw the clip I put up before that game in my prediction. And I literally said, you know, App State's a good team, but South Carolina is more talented. We're bigger on the line of scrimmage. We will whip them physically, and we'll win this game. And I look back, and I'm like, we're, we're the ones that got whipped. So, I mean, again, it's college football. You never know, but uh, you know, the, the most encouraging thing for me, I guess, is that this is a put up or shut up year. I just don't see any way where, you know, because I. You know, this could be a whole other show, a whole other podcast. For me, the, the minimum expectations for South Carolina football is nothing else because, listen, there's no tradition of greatness. There's no history of winning national titles, like, say, out of Tennessee. But making a bowl game should be the absolute minimum. And there, with the resources you have, the ops building, you know, you got, you got a beautiful stadium, you have fan support, you know, they're building new suites in the stadium right now. I mean, you have players, you've recruited well. There's absolutely no excuse to miss a bowl game, in my honest opinion. So that's why I say, I mean, even at six and six, even at six and six, it will be very hard for anyone to justify that there's true progress. Uh, so, again, it, it's going to be an interesting year, no question. I think it's going to be a year where this South Carolina program is going to go one of two directions. Either you're going to figure it out and you're going to win eight games and you're going to get everybody kind of back on board. And if South Carolina goes, wins eight games, I will eat my crow. I'll be more than happy to. But if you don't meet those expectations, there's going to be change. There's just no way around it. You know, nothing personal, but will your SEC coaching career is probably over, my friend. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And, again, those, those guys all know what's on the line. I don't think anybody's going to remind them. So, All right, so that's Chris Phillips of the Spurs Up Show. You can follow them at the Spurs Up Show on Twitter, and you can follow Chris at CPhilly19, the Spurs Up Show, rate subscribe download the show a really great south carolina stuff outstanding conversation so i really appreciate you hopping on with us here chris and uh i think the listeners are really going to like this one michael i do appreciate it man anytime all right shane so there you have it there from chris phillips the spurs up show highly recommend that show to all your south carolina fans out there so he covers uh obviously not only the football but all the sports year round there everything uh, South Carolina related on the Spurs Up show. So really appreciate him sharing it. And, you know, I got to be honest, though, I enjoyed the interview. I enjoyed, you know, how candid and open he was with everything he had to say. But, man, my main takeaway, Shane, two spring previews, two interviews, and, hell, both our guests saying, like, uh, Coach, go and get fired. <laughs> <laughs> I got to pick up that vibe myself, you know. But, you know, uh Maybe we don't need any more Chris's on the show. <laughs> That's two in a row now. They've been ready to fire the coach. But no, I'm just kidding. I, I appreciate both of them taking time to, to give us some insight on their team. And, you know, South Carolina, a lot of optimism, a lot, a lot of optimism last year mm-hmm. going into that season. And, and it obviously it just didn't, I mean, it, they got punched in the mouth week one and it just seems like they could never find. And then they, 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 they managed to beat Georgia. I mean, it was such a weird season, and uh, I'm not picking up that vibe this year. You know, I, I mean, I'm getting the, 
this is Muschamp's final chance to prove. But then on the other side, you're like, man, look at the schedule. And, you know, I, I, you hear Chris talking about relying on a lot of true freshmen. That's the last thing you want when your job's on the line, you know? Yeah, and a lack of overall seniors. I think they only got like 11 seniors on the team. So, you know, very interesting year. I certainly see things could be trending in the wrong direction. But at, well, at the same time, it seems like that's a lot of when Muschamp kind of, when you're expecting a lot, you don't get it. When you're expecting yeah. nothing, they kind of find a way to surprise. So I'm not ready to rule anything out here. There's plenty of talent all across this roster. And I know I hyped. I helped him up a little too much, I guess, last year, but their defensive line, of course, Ken Law looks like he lived up to the billing, is going to probably going to be a first-round pick, but, hell, I know they've lost him, but with the guys they got coming in, with the guys they already got on the roster, I really like the defensive line once again. Um, I, you know, there's pieces here. There's pieces here for them to – Yeah. Not, they're not going to win the SEC, I don't think, unless one of these quarterbacks, you know, steps in as his dominant, but – Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think, you know, South Carolina could be a spoiler in the SEC East. It wouldn't shock me. Yeah. No, I, I'm not ruling it out either, Mike. Do you have their schedule? I'd like to – because it ramps up real quick after week two. I mean, week after week two, it's – I mean, you're, you talk about serious SEC play. They go through about four teams that if you were to flip a coin – and South Carolina have an opportunity to win. There's three on that list that they really, I think, have a shot. But, you know, going into that bye week and that, that you know, something that Chris hit on, that tough schedule on the back half, mm-hmm. I mean, this this is – they're going to have to put up real quick, put up real early. They can't afford to fumble out of the gate like they did last year. Yeah, all right. So here's the schedule. First three games all at home, Coastal Carolina – East Carolina, and Missouri, which, of course, has first-year coach Eli Drinkwitz. So, you know, you got to be figuring the South Carolina is going to be favored in all of those. But, mm-hmm. hell, they were favored in a couple games they dropped last year, too. So, yeah. But if you get off to that 3-0 and start, I don't know, you build some momentum, you head out on the road, next couple games at Kentucky and at Florida, those are going to be incredibly difficult to win for the Gamecocks, but hell, if you go three and zero into Kentucky, you at least got to feel decent about your shot. I would think. Right. Yeah, and I think so. I, I think with the the Kentucky, uh, obviously Florida, I think is just going to be too much. But I mean, it's we're talking way too early. What do you have to see coming out of the gate from South Carolina to give you the impression that they have an opportunity? to be bowl eligible before November. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably going to be some consistency on offense, particularly, you know, it all starts with the quarterback position. I mean, that's easy to say. You can say that about damn near every team, but that was the thing that just derailed this South Carolina offense, you know, all last season. They just couldn't get that right. Uh, now we're questioning the skill position. The, the running back room's turned over. The receivers, mm-hmm. you know, you've got a you know, one or two guys that's solid, but they're getting hurt all the time, and they got a lot of issues with drops. But the only thing, the receivers could emerge, the running backs could be elite, but if the quarterbacks can't stay healthy, can't perform, can't throw accurately, I mean, this it's going to be for nothing. So it to me, it's all about these quarterbacks emerging. And when you're playing Coastal Carolina, East Carolina, and you get Missouri at home, in the SEC, you can't get much 
easier of a start. And I need to see something from this. If it's Holinsky, if it's Doty, whether it's Hill, I need to see something from them before they hit on the road to kind of give me any kind of confidence of what South Carolina is going to do next season. Absolutely. And I, and I think the captain, the quarterback, I think that job should be cemented going into week four. You know, we shouldn't be saying, well, let's, let's try to get Dottie out there or, you know, or, or maybe Helensky's, you know, kind of took the reins here. I mean, this thing's got to be, I think, wrapped up definitely by week two, you know, and and give them all, all the first reps, everything, get, build that chemistry. You know, that's something that Helensky just never had the opportunity to do last year, just mainly because of injuries. You know, I think that's another one, man. Strength and conditioning coach, I think that's a big hire. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if they're able to stay healthy, man, you know, South Carolina was a was was a deep team going into the season, but that that dwindled real quick just because of injuries. So uh, they're going to need everybody to stay fresh, so they don't have to rely on true freshmen. You know, absolutely. So you hit on the strength and conditioning coach, Paul Jackson. That was one of the standout things. Will Muschamp had to say in his spring opening presser. Uh, let's kick it over to Muschamp talking about Paul Jackson. And my favorite quote is very short from this presser. What position is the most open on the South Carolina team? Uh, let's kick it over to Muschamp real quick. I think the head coach position's pretty pretty open. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Talked about being pleased with Paul Jackson. Is that those results you can see immediately on the film in the spring, or when would you like to see those results kind of come well, to? Well, Colin, I think that we that we've we've been able to, you know, just in talking in terms of our, of our staff is watching our players move around, um, the explosiveness, the change of direction, some of the speed stuff that's been good, a lot of the competition things that he's brought to our program, which is which is something we necessarily we've always had competition. I'm not saying we hadn't done that, but some of the different things that he's he, he's brought, I think, have been very very beneficial to our players, and, and seeing our guys compete, and I think I, we've made some improvements, in a, in a very short time. Now I'm, now I'm excited to get them on the field and see it carry over on the field, but just in the off season program, uh, to see some of those things has been very pleasing. What would you say is probably the most wide open position going into spring, or the all positions? They're, they're all wide open. All right, Shade, so, you know, Paul Jackson, they're already liking what they see. Every position's up for grabs. I think, you know, any other message would have been a huge mistake for Muschamp considering, you know, coming off a 4-8 and eight season. He's got to put everybody on notice this spring that your job could be lost if you don't perform. Absolutely, man. And it's kind of the answer you expected to hear. Um, golly, you'd love to just be, you know, I mean, they're still not going to say Ryan's the guy, but that's kind of what you wanted to hear. But I don't know. More people I talk to, more excited I, I, news I get about Dottie. You know, just people think that's what's going to be needed to to make a uh, a bowl game next year is to have a mobile quarterback because you know of the the lack of. I don't know, experience at receiver and, you know, the, the new running game, which I think, I think honestly, I think the running game takes a step forward. You know, me and Lloyd, man, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not big on high school huddle films and all that stuff, but I tell you, if you get an opportunity to watch his highlights, he's unbelievable. He is a human joystick out there. And I do think that he has a huge impact on this team next year. Muschamp's other comment that uh, I really, thought uh, South Carolina fans would appreciate because this is, you know, we've, we've already hit on it. A young team, 
lack of senior leadership, but they do have some young talent, some talent that's potentially elite. So let's kick it over to Muschamp talking about Ryan Halinski and how you know he's starting to see the game slow down on Jordan Birch, their five-star signee, the expectations for him. And then this time last year, Shane, it was Zach Pickens. He was yeah. even higher rated than Jordan Birch. The expectations for him going into his second year. And I thought this was kind of a revealing comment on the state of the South Carolina program, Muschamp shares, uh, talking about Zach Pickens. Coming off a, a freshman year like Ryan did, how important and how much development can happen in this kind of spring where he, he gets that first starting real experience and then gets this chance to kind of be on the field but also slow down, I guess? Well, I think when you, what you said at the end is, is, is the most important. Is the game for any freshman, as they, the more snaps, the more reps you accumulate, I mean, you, you, the game continues to slow down for you. And, uh, you know, there'll be some new things that he'll be going through as far as we'll be up under center more. Um, you know, offensively, there'll be some different things from a verbiage standpoint, communication standpoint that he'll have to adapt to as well, all the quarterbacks. But again, the more snaps and more reps you take, the game continues to slow down. And, uh, uh, we're looking forward to that. As you evaluate the quarterbacks this spring and in the, to the fall, what will you look for? What, what, what will be the most important traits that you Who can lead our football see? team, be productive, be accurate with the football, uh, take care of the football score, who's productive. I mean, those, those things are what we're looking for. I mean, who's going who's to move our offense and be a productive uh, – help us be a productive offense and win games. Uh, when he gets here, what impact are you expecting from uh, Jordan Birch? Uh, what are your plans for uh, working him in on the defensive line? Will it be an end or will it be inside? Do you know yet exactly how he'll be worked in? No, he'll be playing the buck position. Um my expectation will be for Jordan, just like it's going to be for every freshman that steps on campus in June, work extremely hard, uh, and and we'll see where the chips fall. Uh, you'll have an opportunity to be a starter. You'll have an opportunity to play. But I tell him the same thing I tell everybody. Uh, the best guy's going to start, and, and the, if you're good enough, you're going to play. And what you're going to determine that, not me, and how you come in and perform. And so he understands that, and uh, he'll have every opportunity in the world to be successful, just like Alex Huntley, just like Makia Scott, just like – uh, Rico Powers, just like every other freshman that we have. Nobody's treated differently. How, how would you evaluate the way Zach Pickens played last year? And is he sort of ready to step into that role for Ken Law? Well, again, I, you know, everybody's their own player. Zach athletically, uh, from a girth standpoint, from an intelligence standpoint, from a work ethic standpoint, you know, has a lot of ability. Uh, I always say the closer your position moves to the ball – the harder it is to play as a young player because the game is much faster, it's much bigger, uh, it's much more complex than what you've ever been used to playing in high school. That's just that's just part of it. Uh, Javon was nowhere near the player his first year as he was his last year. I mean, not, not even not even comparable. And he'll be the first one that'll tell you that. So we expect Zach to con- t- continue to take the right steps forward uh, to be the type player we feel like he can be and that he wants to be. And, and the great thing about Zach is he is a great learner, great worker, unbelievable young man that wants – he's a pleaser and he wants to do everything the right way. And when you have that kind of attitude every day and that kind of work ethic every single day, then that's going to translate to good things when you have the athletic ability that he has. Uh, but, you know, really and – I, and, I, and I say this, and I know it's a bad word, but you know, all those guys really need to be redshirted. And we weren't in a situation we could. I mean, I'd love to be coaching Dennis Warren one more year. 
I'd love to be coaching Kobe Smith one more year. Uh, you know, we're just we, we're just not in that situation. You know, t- two three years ago, and four years ago, when we had to play these guys as freshmen, Kier Thomas. You know, I'm interested to see his fall. This year is going to be a lot better than any other years he's played here. And I remember playing him as a true freshman as a three technique. I, I I felt bad as a coach doing it to him. I mean, but that was a situation we're in. And, uh, you know, those guys, you know, we were talking this morning with Coach Rocker about some of the younger guys. I said, some of these guys should be redshirt sophomores right now. And that's a whole different from a, from a junior. So, again, you know, I'm excited about Zach and Rick and, and, uh, and, and the guys we got coming. All right, Shane. So I wanted to single out these three, Helensky, Birch, and Pickens. Which one do you think is the most important for South Carolina to have success, not, you know, two, three years down the road, but just next season? I mean, of course, quarterback, that's maybe an easy one to say, but hell, maybe it's Dottie, yeah. maybe it's Hill. And then if you got two monsters on the defensive line like Birch and Pickens, uh, all of a sudden, this turns into a different club altogether. I got to say, Helensky, man. And, and the and the fact of the matter is he he touches the ball every time on offense. You know, it's he he is the captain out there. And yeah. there was a lot of hype coming into the season last year on Helensky when we were going to see him. And and I yes he did he get thrown into the fire? Absolutely. Did, was he banged up? Was his receivers banged up? Absolutely. You know they they went through some stuff. I get that. But you have a, an entire off season to prepare. You know, yeah, the playbook's changed a little bit, but I think that's a good thing. I think Mike Bobo in his ear, I think that's going to help uh, Helensky be a better quarterback uh, coming into fall. So he has to take that step forward, man. You know, that, that sophomore season, that's when you find out if your quarterback's legit or not. Uh, a lot of times, you you know, we remember Bentley when he came out. Everybody was crowned him mm-hmm. as freshman, but he just kind of stayed right where he was, you know. There was no development. There was no steps forward. You got to have that, man. I mean, because a quarterback changes everything. If your quarterback's great, he makes everybody around him better. Yeah, and, you know, while you're talking there, just kind of, it's like you were saying, it's almost like a damn curse of the South Carolina hyped quarterback. But you know the difference between Jake Bentley and Ryan Helensky? Hell, even Chris made the comparison. But do you know what the key difference for Ryan Helensky should be in 2020? He didn't miss prom. No, sir. He's got Mike Bobo, who's got a long track record yeah. of developing yeah. quarterbacks in the SEC. Now, that's not to say he's just going to you know, sprinkle some dust on him and he's good to go, but he's been in this position time and time again. He knows how to get the most out of these kids. He knows how to develop them over the spring camp, training camp. And if nothing else, I think that's going to give Helensky that edge that, unfortunately, Jake Bentley never got. Yeah, and I think you should be encouraged by I mean, just not just the fact you got Mike Bobo to come there. Knowing that that Muschamp's gonna have a make or break season. And, you know, look what Colorado State did offensively. Now, were they a great team? Obviously not. That's why he's looking for a job, but man, they had no trouble moving the ball at times, you know, and I think they got better talent 
obviously in South Carolina. Younger talent, but I, I you know, there's still plenty of weapons there. You've got you got potential at the quarterback spot. And like you said, I think with with Mike Bobo being there, these quarterbacks are all going to be better next year. Mm-hmm. All right, last thing from us, Champ Shane. I really liked uh, – these were the two highlights I thought of his presser. You know, we've, we've been getting insightful must shape. I appreciate that side of him. I mean, he gave a window into – there has been a lot of staff turnover here in Columbia this offseason, but basically laid it out for all these kids. This is life in the NFL. This is life when you go to work. And if you can't do it here, you're not going to be able to do it there. So I really like this message. And then uh, he was asked about Marshawn Lloyd early enrolling and how that's going to help him. But uh, Muschamp kind of expounded on that thought. And I just thought this was something that uh, for anyone wondering why coming to campus early, obviously it's you know spring football is what everyone points to. But as Muschamp notes, there's so much more besides just the camp that these kids benefit from coming a couple months early well when you have some uh unexpected positions to fill in february does that take anything away from what you have to do in getting this team ready and do you expect any kind of a learning curve between the players and maybe some of these some of the new coaches who are here you know not really uh, you know changes like i said i think it's an opportunity for growth it's an opportunity for improvements opportunity to get better and we had a team meeting this morning and i asked mike peterson i said how many years did you play in the national football league that's why, I, first of all, I asked the players, who almost, who almost played in the National Football League? Every one of them raised their hand, just like every time. Okay, I said, okay, good. I thought that would be 100%. All right, Mike Peterson, how many years did you play in the NFL? He said, 14. So how many position coaches you had? He said, eight. Okay. So I said, do you think Mike Peterson, if he was really sensitive about this new coach that came in and didn't like the way he coached me and I didn't like it, do you think he would have survived 14 years? And they all said, no, he probably wouldn't have. I said, no, so you need to be adaptable in what you do in life, and that's true in your job. Uh, your boss changes, and all of a sudden somebody else comes in and wants to do things a certain different way. Then you either adapt or you leave, one or the other. So that's kind of the message this morning was that's part of it. If you want to go play in the NFL, more than likely your position coach is going to change about every two years on average. So learn to adapt, adapt to it now. You can learn new things from everybody. Are some coaches better teachers or some better on the field or some better as far as friendship and developing that? I mean, we're all different. So it's always, you know, how do you adapt to this coach and how in this situation? And that's a, it's a way to for a young man to get out of his comfort zone a little bit and grow a little bit as, as a player, in my opinion, and certainly can improve from, from a different tactic. Well, you mentioned Marshawn Lloyd, uh, you know, as, just as a freshman. How much does it help him being here early, and what do you expect out of him for this first full season? Uh, you know, I always tell guys as far as, you know, coming mid-year, there, I, I don't know that in my coaching career, and it's obviously been more prevalent since I've been at South Carolina as far as just the numbers of guys that have come mid-year. I don't know that I've ever been in a situation where it was a negative experience. I think it's all positive. I think, number one, academically, you know, you get a, a – a lot under your belt and and you do so much better in the fall academically because you're learning right now how to balance all the stuff you got going you're not getting ready for a game and generally you're you're getting oriented to the weight room much better uh not that you don't in june but you you do you do get oriented to the weight room better 
um, spring practice. We're going to practice today, and then we're going to have film, and we're going to go through the mistakes, and we're going to go through that, and then we're going to walk through it, and then we're also going to lift, so you're continuing to get stronger, and then we're going to practice another day. So the, the, the installation process in fall camps, like drinking water out of a fire hose, as opposed to now, it's just kind of dripping water, and you're able to really – uh, you know, immerse yourself in what we're doing and how we're doing it. And you've got a day to correct it. You've got plenty of time to come and get with your position coach and say, hey, can you go over this again? I'm not really sure about these things. Uh, so I just think from that standpoint, it's, it's just a, a much easier transition in the fall because of what you go through in the spring. And these guys right now are, you know, looking at us like we're crazy. But, uh, you know, they'll eventually – it'll help them. Not to say that a guy that comes in in June can't start play – contribute, whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, you know, there's no there's no question that it's a benefit for a young man if he wants to come mid-year uh, and get adjusted academically, athletically, socially. All right, Shane. So, yeah, Muschamp, he knows how to deliver a quote <laughs> as long as he's not coming off a terrible loss. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anytime we can get some insight from him, I really, uh, really feel like we need to share it. Oh, man. Media is going to be unleashed over there. You know that, right? I mean, they had they had Will up against the ropes a few times last year. So they're going to be all over this, uh, the hot seat talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I, You know, I like the comments about the, the coaches changing because sometimes, you know, it's easy to say, oh, we lost a guy or we got a guy, you know, but – that's the that's the nature of this business, and you know you ha- you're constantly preparing. That's just like anywhere. I, I thought I just thought that was a great quote, and um, you know it's it's all about core principles, and it you know what what Will is trying to get these kids to do. Do they buy in? You know that that they have an opportunity. Are they are they going to read the media clippings and find out that they don't have a good shot to even make a bowl game? You know, so mm-hmm. I, I think that. Cut out the outside noise. Get focused. Become a family. It all starts with leadership. That's why I want to see Helensky step up and take over. Maybe it's not him. Maybe it's somebody else on that team. Maybe somebody on that defense or something. You know, that's what you. This team has to have because if there's no leadership, there's just they're they're just dead in the water, man. All right, Shane. So I think we talked enough South Carolina for one show. No, mm-hmm. no disrespect to the Gamecocks, but this is an SEC podcast. Uh, but like I said, that's all I've got because it's a slow time of the calendar. we got uh, several more teams kicking off spring practice next week, so we're going to be hitting on a lot of other teams next week. But uh, this is going to be the final episode of the week. You got anything before we help off here? Yeah, you know what that means, Mike. we got some reviews. Uh-oh. All right, Mike, yeah, we got a few here, buddy, and uh, I appreciate everybody obviously taking the time to give us the rating and reviews on the on the iPhone or Apple products. It really does help us out. A uh, few took an extra step, Mike, and, and left us written reviews, so I'd like to read those, and we're going to start with this one. This is just a guy waiting on love. <laughs> <laughs> it says, hey, hey, buddy. We appreciate you. <laughs> Five star. I think that's got to be one of our shirts, Mike. I like that. Great show. Been listening for a while and love the content. But I need Cousin Shane to read the below. Now, oh, jeez. I hope it ain't bad. 
I, Cousin Shane, vow to never, ever, under any circumstance, make the Florida Gators my lock of the week again. Mm -hmm. By my actions alone, I caused UF to forfeit their undefeated season (laughs) and college football playoff berth in 2019 by my infamous and cursed lock of the week. My uncalled for and inappropriate actions caused UF to lose to LSU, Tyree Cleveland was held on the trash interception, and Georgia, Cager did not catch the ball on the game, <laughs> defining calls and the officials. May I uphold this promise or make my wife violently shake up every beer that enters my refrigerator, whether it's in the kitchen, garage, or the man cave. Haha, <laughs> thanks, P.S. I know the refs didn't lose us those games, but those calls were bogus. P.S.S. Was there ever any resolution to the divorced man and his cat parent <laughs> who tore up them curtains? Sheila, Gerald deserves a second chance. That Cat Daisy needs a loving home with both of its parents on speaking terms. Work it out. <laughs> wow, what a review that was. That's awesome, man. And uh, uh, yes, I apologize for uh, you know costing them the playoff berth, Mike. That is big. Uh, did cost me a lot of money. Not gonna lie, putting them Gators as my lock of the weeks. Yeah, if so, for anyone uh, that missed it, maybe you're a new follower or you just, you know, missed a couple weeks of the season. There, Shane was on an incredible streak. I think he missed ten locks of the week. Maybe it was eleven, but. Uh, just letting you guys know, his his lock is for sale. So if you want to curse your team, maybe uh, send us some money or something. I think he's more than willing to, to help you out there. Dude, it got to a point last year. I think I, I figured it up. If you doubled your bet every time, because the last time I was right, or the first time I was right was LSU Texas. And I think the last time I was right was, L- I mean, it was 10, like you said, it was almost at the end of the season there. I figured out if you doubled your bet, you could have bought a $150,000 home. <laughs> You're welcome. So, <laughs> oh, so I've got uh, I've got a couple more, Mike. This one's uh, Blake Darman. Uh, man, real, real. I mean, this is a true follower of the podcast. This boy was down there in, in uh, uh, Louisiana or New Orleans. Uh, national championship repping the koozie mm-hmm. so i appreciate blake with a second review and the hustle i bet you're sick of reading my reviews <laughs> five star but i can't get enough of this podcast mike told me y'all would wouldn't leave us hanging up during the off season and you have succeeded with flying colors i love the top september games and the off season qb rankings shane there is a place in lsu heaven for you putting Miles Brennan at number two of your rankings. Go Tigers, 2019 national champs. Well, Blake, brother, I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate you, Blake. Thank you for that one. (laughs) Next one, Baker, 1949, SEC, five-star. This is the best SEC show. Enjoy the insight, Earl Long. Well, Baker, Earl Long, I appreciate you. Thank you, Baker Earl Long. Yeah. That's my nickname. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
Britt87, funny and informative. Five star. Michael and Shane are hilarious. Listening to them banter keeps me informed and cracking up. If you follow college football, this podcast is a must. Michael is always the first to be updating on all the news. Keep up the great work, and thank you for your dedication, guys. Goo Vols. Well, Britt87, I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you for that one, Britt. Last one. This one comes from Soulful BJ. Oh. Great great podcast. Five star. Truly the best podcast out there for comprehensive coverage of the SEC. Mike brings the knowledge and Shane brings the beer and jokes. Seriously, though, if you want to update on all the SEC teams, this podcast is your ticket. Soulful BJ, I love your name and I appreciate you. We appreciate all the Soulful BJs out there. So, And of course, all those written reviews. Five star, you want... uh us to read them all the air get you a free koozie just all you got to do is follow their lead give us that five-star written review that really does help the podcast out but i think that's going to do it shane so thanks for joining me as always thanks everyone for tuning in we'll catch you next time all right see you guys go balls soulful bj that's a good one What do you have to see to 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 give you? I don't know the the what's the word I'm looking for. Pause it for a second. Um, what do you like? What do you have to see to? Oh, fuck, it's getting late, Mark. Sorry. That's so stupid. Okay, here we go. You ready? <laughs> all right, here it is. All right. It's all right. All right. All right. All right. Joystick is. You know, how about you just cut me off, Mike? (laughs) (laughs) All right, the next thing that... uh...